Amen. The book of Luke, chapter 17, the book of St. Luke, chapter 17. And I want you to find verse 11 in this season, verse 11 in this season. The Bible reads Luke, chapter 17, and verse 11. Uh, now it happened as he, that is Jesus, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And the Bible says that then he entered a certain village and he met 10 men who were lepers. He met 10 men who were lepers. And the Bible says they stood afar off. <clears throat> they stood afar off. And they lifted their voices and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so when Jesus saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was as they went, they were cleansed. And so it was as they went. They were cleansed. I like to read that one more time. And so it was as they went. They, the Bible says, were cleansed. Your Bible might say healed. So as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he returned and with a loud voice, he glorified God. He fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. But this one was a Samaritan. Very interesting. There's nothing in the Bible by accident. There's nothing allowed to be read or written or approved or canonized in the Bible by accident. This one was a foreigner. Let me keep reading. And so Jesus answered and said, were there not ten who were cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this Foreigner, and he said to him, Arise, go your way, for your faith has made you well. Arise, go your way, for your faith has made you well. I don't want to take too much time this morning, but we have nothing but time on this Sunday morning, the Lord's Day. I want to preach from the subject entitled Faith for hope and healing faith for hope and healing let me say that again faith for hope and healing during this holiday season one more time faith for hope and healing during this holiday season uh, once again i know we're social distancing but so i'm not going to ask you to shake through people's hand i'll just ask you to point at somebody and say faith for hope and faith for healing. Would you do that with me? Okay, just, it doesn't take a lot today, but, but, but come on. Faith for hope and faith for healing. Please, please take your seats in the presence uh, of the Lord. And, and sound team, you're doing a great job on today. God bless you all. I, I, uh, no wonder I see why you're doing a great job. I see uh, the, the maestro is upstairs running the sound with all of these extra uh, uh, experts upstairs. So thank you all for the sound today. Um, I, I'm excited and I always get excited about the holiday season. Um, and, and I always try to find a Sunday where we sort of capture the essence and the real meaning and the real perspective and priorities of the season. In other words, I think that we owe it to ourselves to bring an alignment, even, even though we do this once a year, right? But, but I think it's worthwhile reminding you and myself 
and those that are online of, of keeping the main thing the main thing. We got a whole lot of stuff going on in America, across the world in this pandemic season. Uh, the holiday season for the believers should always be a time of joy and festivity. In fact, it should always be a time, listen, spent with family, friends, sharing thoughts of gifts, of, of appreciation. Yet, please understand this, due to the overwhelming, and I like to call it the, 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 the spirit of consumerism, the spirit of consumer commercialism, our supposed time of giving and sharing has sadly turned into a time of unrealistic expectations, demands, and unnecessary pressure. I don't want to repeat all that. That's a lot. But let me just give you the short version. What should be a time of giving, of love, of gifts, and of sharing with others unfortunately becomes a time of you and I being under the gun trying to meet all of the demands, all of the expectations, all of the holiday parties, checking off all of the lists, making sure that we don't disappoint nobody in this season. And, uh, you know, if that wasn't enough, let's add this little thing called the pandemic. We've got this COVID-19. I've run out of variants, by the way. I was on the Delta for a while, and now we've got the uh, Gamaron, Omaron, and I mean, it's getting more and more scientific. It's getting more and more uh, uh, galactical and, not, you know, I'm not being soft on it. But the reality is people are still getting sick. 45 states this past week, hospitalization is now again on the rise. And my brothers and my sisters, we can no longer or we cannot continue to turn a deaf ear or a blinded eye on the facts, maybe a little common sense, maybe a comfort of doing what's healthiest for you, for your loved ones, particularly those who are older in your community. I'm not going to turn this into a political conversation, but I'm not scared of you neither. Because sometimes the main people arguing me, sometimes are the main ones who struggle themselves. The reality is, the reality is, we have to get beyond our discomforts, our dislikes, and maybe even get beyond sometimes the unknown. Because as child and children of God, we have a fiduciary responsibility to honor the word. And sometimes, if not all the time, that means walking by faith. Okay? You're awfully quiet, I see. The reality is, we are in a season we've never been before. Crime running rampant and relentless. Smash and dash and grab by mobs of young people. And the police is, is, is subliminally and subtly being kind of moved to, you know, uh, just kind of back up just a little bit. I was in Chicago uh, this past week and I sat down with uh, a pastor who's very, very active in the Chicago community. We had dinner and, and, and we were riding together. And I said, Chairman, uh, uh, you, he serves actually on the police board uh, for 
uh, the city of Chicago. And I said, you know, is Chicago really that bad as the national scene makes it look? And he said, you know, the truth of the matter is we have issues in our, our, our mayor's department and our city manager's department. He went on to the political conversation, but the reality is simply this. We are living in unprecedented times, particularly in our community. And all of these things add to the narrative of you and I supposedly having a wonderful, peaceful, and loving holiday season. But that's tough to have when we see the things that we're seeing. Families in crisis, trouble, sicknesses, unemployment, health care issues, housing concerns, financial turmoil. Inflation is higher than it has been since the days of Reagan. Gas prices. Have you all checked? The gas prices lately? Uh, hello, is anybody here with me this morning? Have you not taken a notice how much uh, 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 your turkey was for Thanksgiving? Have you not taken notice how much a dozen of eggs are now and that wasn't enough? You got the supply chain issues. You got boats and barges stuck in ship channels and shipyards. You got porch pirates stealing from UPS and FedEx and long lines and bad customer service everywhere. And all of this we've got to contend with. The middle of finding hope and healing in this season of the holidays. This morning, I want to encourage you, the Christian believer, regarding your perspective concerning faith, family, and even your finances during this holiday Christmas season. I want to talk more so about faith today because I think that faith is the greatest currency that you and I as the child of God should have in this moment. Because to me, faith, is really the blanket tool or the blanket key that can compass everything we need in this hour and in this season. Be assured in what you believe by acknowledging God at all times. I want to talk to the parents and the grandparents as you gather around the table, as, as you Netflix and beans, and as you spend time with kids and grandkids. Uh, don't forget to implore and infuse and continue the ministry of who you are, why you who you are, who you believe, and why you believe what you believe. Do not cower down. Do not be intimidated. Do not shy down to reminding yourself of the boldness, the courage of being a born-again Christian. The world is hungry for the living bread. People are starving and looking for spiritualities and looking for answers. And you, my grandparent, you, my mother, and my father, make sure you continue the lineage of the gospel truth as it relates to family and friends. Prioritize family members over distant friends and unexpected guests that will show up at your house. Keep the main thing the main thing. And again, capitalizing the season to teach the real meaning of Christmas. Teach the real meaning of family and togetherness. Do not be caught up in the long lines, whether they're at the Target, the Walmart, or the long customer service lines like I did last night on phone waiting for customer service after hour and 20 minutes and finally hung up. Point of the matter is keep the main thing the main thing as it relates to your finances, do not be overstretched trying to please somebody who could care less about you when Christmas is over with. Uh, should I say that one again? Stop spending money that you ain't got trying to please people that really ain't your friends, uh, uh, trying to compete with somebody who's really not your peer in the first place. Bible says in the book of Luke 14, count 
the cost. Consider your ways. Make sure before you go out and spend your livelihood on something that really doesn't matter. In fact, the Bible says, Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, that the greatest gift should really be for the one whose birthday in this season we celebrate. And that should be Jesus, the Christ, Son of God, uh, the living one. Uh, Luke 17, very interesting passage of scripture. You know this passage of scripture. I won't belabor too much this morning. But, you know, somewhere between Thanksgiving, which should be a time of Todah Rabbah, or thanks God, or thank you Lord, and Christmas, we should stop and pause and meditate. I, I, I bought myself a book uh, about, a, about a month, well, next about two, three weeks ago, and it, it, it kind of dives a little bit deeper into the Hebraic and, and the Greek understanding of Scripture, and, and I, I had a wonderful Bible study on the, word, uh, on the word meditation, on the word meditation, and the word meditation really goes back to the original meaning of muttering, muttering. So if you've been to Israel, if you've been to the Western Wall, and you see the, the, the rabbi or the Jewish man with his prayer shawl rocking back and forth rocking back and forth if you get a little closer you'll hear them stammering or muttering with their lips well that's the ancient hebrew word for muttering or for for for, for meditation so when the bible says meditate on these things day and night throughout the day their prayer is not just three times a day or five times a day or early in the morning or over food their walk with god and their meditation is throughout the day and i wonder what would happen brother Moore, if we were to meditate on scripture not just uh, for Bible study in the morning, not just on Tuesday night, not just on Sundays, but wonder what would happen if we took God's scripture, if we took his word and meditated on it throughout the day while I'm in traffic, uh, while I'm on the treadmill, while I'm waiting in line, while I'm at the airport, but all throughout the day we're meditating, we're praying and seeking the Lord. So in Luke chapter 17, the Bible says there were 10 men who were lepers. And most of us in the room probably have no clue of what the life of a leper. That's a great Bible study by itself. Someone need to write that down. That is a great Bible study. You want to preach a message? The life of a leper. Because it wasn't just, uh, you know, it uh, wasn't just halitosis. It wasn't just, uh, you know, uh, hypertension. It uh, wasn't just boils or or maybe a, ra a bad rash but in the old testament a leper was death on wheels leper was a dead man walking and there were all type of laws and restrictions and compliances that kept lepers away from the community and we may not see that today in 2021 and beyond but sometimes even in the church we distance ourselves from men and women and we make them virtual or real-time lepers because of certain activities or certain dispositions or certain disagreements or certain arguments or certain opinions. And we black, you know, I think we call it cancel culture now. That's, I think that's the modern day word for leprosy. We don't agree with a thing and we blackball them into a corner and we hope that they die a slow death. But in Jesus' day, these ten lepers, the Bible says, we're at a place in Jerusalem as he came through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. But there was a certain village he came to, and these men noticed the Bible says they stood afar off. Why? Well, because the law had required that they could not intermingle with the rest of citizens. They could not just easily show up at the mall or show up at the flea market. They had to announce 
their presence. They had to have announced their coming or going. Why? Because they had leprosy. They had leprosy. I won't have time this morning to paint the full picture of what life with leprosy might have looked like. But you can only imagine, not just the physical or the exterior look of the veneer, but think about the psychological and the mental battles that man or that woman must have struggled with. And so the Bible goes on to say that they lifted their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, go and show yourself to the priest. I want to talk to you this morning about hope, or excuse me, faith for hope and healing. Faith for hope and healing. I almost titled it faith for hope, help, and healing. But I just figured, you know, somewhere between hope and healing, we will probably canvas the entire church. Somebody in the room right now needs hope. You're not quite sure yet about 2022. The jury is still out about family challenges, physical uh, uh, dilemmas. The jury is still out about the job, the business, direction. You're at a fork in the road and not quite sure which direction you should go. Let's face it, we live in a world where everything is bleak. Everything is subtle. Everything is, is very callous and cold and murky. And that's not, that doesn't make for the best of hopeful days. We're not sure if we're going this way or that way with this pandemic. Uh, do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mask? And do we shake hands? Do we not shake hands? Do we fist bump? Do we, I mean, we're living in such turbulent days. And if you don't need hope, Somebody on your road needs healing. Somebody's believing God for physical healing. And you may be at the tip top of health and feeling mighty fine in your body. But there's some marital healing. There's some emotional healing. There's some relational healing. Somebody needs some psychological healing. One thing's for sure, if you're in the room right now, and if you're watching this online, there's probably a need of healing somewhere in your space. These 10 lepers needed healing. And it was obvious for these 10 that their healing was physical. But it wasn't just physical. That was the tip of the iceberg. It wasn't just a partial healing, but it had to cascade to so many other areas in their lives. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, he sends them to the priest. He sends them in that day would have been the embodiment of spiritual authority. Today, he might have said, go on back to the church. The very place you put your mouth on. The very place you turned your back on. The very place you laughed at and scorned and scoffed at. You know, it's amazing to me how so many people make fun of the church until they need the church. And I've learned over the years, people don't have a need for church until there's a need in their lives. And I'm not just talking about getting married or getting buried, but sometimes when people go through some of these transitional moments of, of emotional change, all of a sudden the church becomes premium. And, and, and how do we reconcile all of this in this virtual world and virtual space? Because part of, of one of my consulting assignments is I've got to convince this world that virtual church is great and virtual church is good, but I don't know if there's anything that quite replaces or competes with being in person and in touch with one another you understand what i'm saying you know i believe in being high tech but i also believe in being high touch and i don't think there's anything that can replace the value of touch okay of touch 
So Jesus ministers by giving them instructions. May I submit to you before I find my closing ramp that perhaps right now God is speaking to you instructions. You want to be great in 2022? You want next year to be your greatest year? You want some doors to open? You want opportunities to develop? Maybe he's giving you instructions and some of those instructions have something to do with the spiritual authority of your world and that would very well be the church. Maybe it's going back to church. Maybe it's attending church. Maybe it's worshiping in church. Maybe it's getting some healing or reconciliation or restoration or maybe it's volunteer or maybe it's giving or maybe it's serving or maybe it's singing but whatever it is Jesus the master healer and the hope of the world let's go back to the priest and show yourself now of course he was going back to Old Testament law and he was going back to Old Testament compliance but in the New Testament and then today we, we, we would consider this go back to the place of spiritual authority now, let me go further. I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I do want to talk to you about faith. Why? Because faith gives us a courage to face the presence with confidence. Whatever you're dealing with right now, if you tap into faith, if you hold on to your faith, no matter what's happening on the job, no matter what's going on in the home, no matter what you're feeling in your body, faith gives you the courage to face the present with confidence. Not only that, but faith gives you the courage to face the future with expectancy all right stay with me it gives you a courage to know even though i may not understand it even though it may not feel right but i've got to have a faith and a courage that something's going to break for me tomorrow something good is going to happen for me tomorrow now i have to act as if i'm in a classroom my teaching presence or my teaching part of me says do never never expect or never over assume that everybody has a simple definition of faith with that being said if you'd write this down faith is a strong conviction or faith is a belief that comes through the hearing or the reading of God's word I don't like to oversimplify I don't want to oversimplify it but I do not want to overcomplex it either faith is simply a belief a conviction that comes by hearing or reading of the word of God. We take that straight out of Romans 10 and 11. So faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Here's what you may not know about faith. Listen closely. Number one, faith is progressive. It is ongoing. It is ongrowing. Let me say that again. Faith is not stagnant. I think somewhere or another we've got this thing mixed up. See, there's a faith for belief. But then there's a faith for growing. Let me give you an example. You can have a faith that got you saved 20 years ago. But that faith that got you saved 20 years ago would not be the same faith that's going to keep you saved next year and beyond. Because you got to keep growing. You got to keep believing. You got to keep trusting. So you had a faith to get you married to this man. Even though uh, he wasn't where he needed to be. Okay? But you're going to need some more faith to keep that marriage growing and keep that marriage developing. Uh, you, you, I, I, was, I was hoping that you would relate to that one, but let me see if I can find one more for you, okay? You got a faith to start a business, so you go get your LLC, you go to the Department of State, and you get your uh, Secretary of State, you get all your paperwork done, you get your little website up, and uh, you, you get you some, 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 some cards from Kinko's, and you pass out to everybody. Well, that was a wonderful gesture, and you had faith to start the business. 
But that's not going to take, it's going to take more than that type of faith to sustain and to be successful in that business. So let me try this again. Faith is not stagnant. Faith is progressive, it's ongoing, and it's ongrowing. Uh, uh, let me try it this way. Uh, I, I wish I was in better shape. If I was in better shape, my example would be better, but I could, uh, well, you know, I would call on some of y'all, but y'all ain't no better shape than I'm in shape right now. Some of you all are, but not all. Uh, <laughs> but faith is like exercise. It's a muscle that you have to grow. And if you neglect growing your faith, it will manifest in your everyday life. But if you grow your faith by the word of God through prayer, through walking and stretching and believing, right, your faith will continue to grow. So when Jesus said, when you're faithful over the little or the least of these, then you'll be rulers over many. Why? Because he saw your faith at this level. Now you could go to this level. Why should it work anywhere else and not with your faith? Who wants to skip the second, third, and fourth grade? No one goes from kindergarten to the eighth grade overnight. So maybe this is why Jesus said, according to the measure of faith or according to the level of faith he's given you. I don't want to do this. I really don't want to do this because I'm really not in the teaching mode. But I could go to Paul's teaching on faith in 1 Corinthians because he said, everyone has a certain measure of faith. Some people have faith that can move a mountain. And this might explain why you stay up late at night watching these scientific channels and some of these old ladies picking up vehicles that are six and seven thousand pounds. They had a faith for that moment and for whatever reason, God gave them a grace and a faith to lift the car to get the child from under the car. Now on any other given day, that would have never happened. You can't, you can't say it didn't happen because the video proved that it happened. Some people don't have faith for all that. They just have enough faith to get their paycheck paid on Fridays. Faith is faith untested is faith untrue. I'd like for you to write that down. For all our friends online, and you have the ability to throw that in the chat room, you may have the ability to put a little hashtag on that and tweet it out. Faith untested is faith untrue. Stop lying to yourself. You call yourself a great mighty man of God. Oh, I'm a great woman of faith. But let a little lizard cross the wall and you about to jump on the chandelier and stay up there for an hour and a half. <laughs> Until somebody get, uh, see, I notice I ain't getting no amens to my right side, but I'm not even going to look to that right side of the room, right? Because faith untested, uh-huh, is faith untrue. We say we got faith and all that sounds good. And you can get it inked and tattooed on your arm. You can put it on your screensaver. You can get a bumper stick, put it back in your car. You can even get it, uh, put it on your coffee mug and remind yourself every day that I'm a man of faith. But until it is tested in that area of your life, it is untrue. Number three, faith untried is faith undeveloped. Which really kind of takes me back to square one. Your faith is progressive. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Here we go meddling again. But you know what? I'm at home today, so I can meddle at home. This is why I don't subscribe to once saved, always saved. Some of us grew up in traditions, and we grew up in churches. Once saved, always saved. I, I, I don't have Bible. You, first of all, we don't have no Bible for that. And I know you might say, well, you know, uh, uh, the gifts and callings are without repentance. But I ain't got nothing to do with salvation. That has to do with being gifted. 
You've got a lot of secular singers who can sing their, their, their socks off, right? But if their heart and their soul ain't right with the Lord, they're still going to hell. We love them. We love the music. But that's going to be your destination until you get your heart and get your life. See, I shouldn't use a hell word because when you start using a word like hell in the church, people, people start feeling like you're, you're, you're being kind of condemning and, and you're being hard. I'm just, I'm just giving you the Bible. And if you don't like the way I preach it, you, you, I know you ain't gonna like the way Jesus preached it. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he had a whole lot to say about heaven and hell. Right? And we, we've sanitized and desensitized the gospel so much. You say the word hell in church, I'm talking about in the right context, obviously. You know what I'm trying to say. People feel like you're being condemning and judgmental. How dare you say that? And maybe this is why I think one of the latest statistics said that 75% of people believe in heaven, but yet only 40 some percent of people believe in hell. How can you believe in one and not the other? And the, the, the two are, are bookends. <laughs> we, our mental and our psychological has put a number on us and our skewed beliefs. That's a whole nother message, but I'll get back on this. And so with that being said, with this being said, faith coming by hearing and hearing of the word of God. Now, 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 now when I say the word of God, let me, let, me, let me help you out. There's the written word of God. Obviously, that's the Bible. There's the spoken word of God. And then there's the prophetic word of God. Or I like to use the word apostolic word of God at times. Let me go back to one say it always say, because I think I let some people hang when I said that. So, so, okay. So, so, you got saved when you were nine years old at the, the summer bonfire in the community rally when the church came to your community and and, 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 and no doubt I, I believe you did get saved I believe you had a moment and the Lord spoke and you felt and you cried and you felt a certain type of way and you said the sinner's prayer and praise the Lord and man you felt good for that moment but now you're 49 and you have not lived a nickel worth of dog meat lifestyle of Christianity in 40 some odd years but when somebody walks up to you are you saved yeah I got saved when I was 9 years old See, that's that once saved, always saved mentality. Hmm? Uh, who was it, Janet Jackson or Anita Baker? Who, 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 who wrote the song, What Have You Done For Me Lately? See, uh, I knew you would know that. So, uh, so, it, so this is one of them, what have you done for me lately type relationships, right? So it can't be a what happened back in 1973. We need to be knowing what are you doing in 2021? It is appointed man wants to die, then the judgment. Bible says that our filth, uh, even our most righteous works are as filth and rags. Our lives are yet but a vapor of smoke. We're here today and like grass cut down tomorrow. So every day has to count. And this is why in this season, we're talking about faith for hope and faith for healing. You cannot get tired in this season. You cannot afford to get weary in this season. You cannot afford to become exhausted in your salvation, in your hope, and believing God for healing in this season. In fact, I want to close with three things that I believe that are important that you have faith for in this season. In fact, I'm going to give you three critical areas of faith needed today in your life, all right? Three critical areas of faith that are needed right now in your life today. Number one, faith for the salvation of your soul. I'd be a poor pastor. I'd be a horrible preacher. I mean, you really need to get a full refund on your tithing offering for all of the years you've been in this church. 
If I can teach about faith for a new car, faith for a diamond ring, faith for a mink coat, faith for a vacation, but not one time was there a faith for your salvation. Ain't that something? How you can go places and they talk about better lives and, and better quality of life. And you can have this and you can have that and you can feel good and you can be motivated. I'm not your motivational speaker. Understand, I'm not here to give you a humanitarian feel good. The greatest faith you can ever have is the saving of your soul. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. I'm, I'm sorry, Hebrews uh, chapter 2 verse 1 we must pay more careful attention therefore to what we have heard so that we do not drift away notice what the author of Hebrews says we can't accredit this to Paul we don't know who wrote Hebrews we can't accredit it to John we don't know who wrote Hebrews but whoever wrote Hebrews said this we must pay more careful attention to what has been spoken what has been written so that we don't drift away notice the language of the writer notice the word drift somebody knew something about being somebody knew something about boating i just show of hands how many of y'all ever been on a boat before whether a cruise ship or a small sailboat or a canoe all right we got it you do realize you could be sitting on that boat quiet as a mouse close your eyes 20 30 40 seconds later open your eyes You've heard nothing, seen nothing, but when you open your eyes, the boat has drifted away from the spot that it was. Uh, uh, okay, that, you didn't say man. Uh, you, you've been on a cruise ship, and before the, the cruise leaves St. Port Lauderdale or Miami, wherever you cruise out of, uh, uh, the boat could have easily gone half a mile, and you wouldn't have even known it. Because it's drifting, drifting, into the bay the writer says in case we do not drift away let me take it back to the season we're in we're so busy we're so busy making money we're so busy spending money we're so busy trying to make friends we're so busy trying to unfriend folk we're so busy doing this and so busy doing that some of us are drifting away from the things that matter most is there anything more important than your faith in God is there anything more important than your salvation in the Lord. Let's keep reading. The Bible goes on to say, for if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received as just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such great salvation? Let me try to help you with that one real quick. Let's break that one down. Okay. The writer says, if the word that God sent through the angels, Gabriel, Michael, maybe other angels that didn't have, that were not archangels, but they were yet important messenger angels. If the word sent by them and all of his spectacular and all of his majesty and all of his splendor, if what they spoke had its consequences when people didn't believe, how much more you and I? How much more you and I, which was first announced, excuse me, uh, how much more shall we escape if we ignore such great salvation, this salvation which was first announced 
by the Lord. Let me give you a little context. Remember this, before Jesus came on the scene, remember the, 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 the three wise men? Remember all of the prophets of the Old Testament? Remember Gabriel who comes and speaks? Remember Michael, the archangel? So for thousands of years, God was setting this thing up to speak of the return of the Lord. And the writer of Hebrews says, if all of that had its consequences and people still didn't believe. Now that Jesus has come to the earth and now that he himself has spoken of his divinity, spoken of his lordship, spoken of his salvation. And then the Bible goes on to say, and it was reiterated by leaders, pastors, ministers, apostles. How much more will we not escape such great salvation? Friends, do not have great faith for a new car yet have no faith for your salvation. Do not have faith for your daughter's degree in school, but have no faith for going to heaven. Number two, faith for giving and stewardship. Faith for sacrificial giving and stewardship. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, though which he obtained witness that he was righteous, Hebrews 11 and 4. God testifying of his gifts and through it being dead, the gifts still speak. I'm talking about faith today. I understand this, first has to be salvation. I dare not talk about money, gifts, possessions, material, advancement, promotion, degrees, and all of these great things in the earth that we all covet and love and not talk about salvation first. God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all of his righteousness and all these things will come to pass. So salvation first. Number two, what about sacrificial giving? We see the difference between Cain's offering and Abel's offering. But what does Hebrew say? Faith by faith by faith, Abel gave a better offering. How do we know this? How do we know this? Whoever wrote Hebrews her had a written, excuse me, not a written, yeah, had a written, but yet also a verbal tradition passed through the years. Somebody passed down the story to somebody who passed it down to somebody who passed it down to somebody. Combined with that, they had the Old Testament that they could read and realize, you know what? There was a man whose name was Abel, and he gave an excellent offering. He gave a good offering. Why? Because it was the first. It was a sacrifice. It meant something to him. Opposing Cain, his brother, well, he didn't give the first of the offering. He didn't give the best of his offerings. In fact, he gave a lame offering, a weak offering. He gave what we would call a leftover offering. I don't know why, when, and where, but God took notice of it. And he says, Cain, I respected, but as, excuse me, Abel, I respected, but Cain, I didn't. I know we like to tell people all the time, God is no respecter person. Child, God is no respecter person. And that might be true to an extent, but I find out in the Bible that he is a respect of offerings. Because the Bible easily and clearly said that he respected Abel and his offering, but Cain's offering he did not respect. Uh, it brings me to this next question. Does God respect your offerings? Does God respect your sacrificial giving? I may not be the preacher like Brother Carl preaches this, but I'm going to try my best today. Does God respect every time you sit down in your office, you sit down at your phone, or you sit down in the church, whether it is an envelope, whether it is a cell phone, whether it's on the laptop, when you give to the Lord, does he respect, does he get your attention? Do you get his attention? Is it sacrificial? Have you gone beyond? I know it's a little quiet because, man, there was a time in this church years ago this was preached almost every Sunday. 
This series was preached every weekend or every quarter. And it was a culture of our church. Last couple of years, we've kind of put that on the back burner just so we can sustain and circle the wagons and make sure everybody's feeling all right. But I don't want you to be poor. Hope I'm not boring nobody over here to my left. I don't want you to be bored. Excuse me, not bored, excuse me. <laughs> I got distracted. I don't want you to be poor, right? I want you to prosper and succeed. But it comes through faith. And that faith manifests in your giving. See, understand this. When you look back at Hebrews 11, 1 and 3, oftentimes we say this defines faith, but it really describes faith, not defined, it describes. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good report. Through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that are seen were not made of things which do not appear. Romans 4. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promises. In fact, his faith grew stronger. His faith grew. Remember, it's progressive, it's ongoing, and it's ongrowing. Abraham's faith grew stronger, and this, he brought glory to God. So much so, he was fully convinced that God was able to do whatever he promised. Now, let's go back to this one more time, and I'll close. There's a faith for salvation. There's a faith for sacrificial giving. And why is that important? Because that will set the precedence for the rest of your living life on the earth. I'm not talking about just money. I'm talking about access. Access, anointing, authority, supernatural, doors opening, favor, promotion, and grace, right? See, when you find the, um, when you find the grace of giving, you now fall in rank and you fall in line with Jesus, with his father. God gave his only begotten son. Jesus gave of his life. He gave us God, the Holy Spirit. They gave us the gifts of the spirit. He has given us life and life abundantly. Giving is all wrapped into the 360 comprehensive vision of the power and the presence of God. So here you are, child of God, with your stings yourself and your greed yourself. And this is mine, mine, all mine. And God said, I'm going to have to break that spirit off of you because I really want you blessed. And I really want to see you do good in the end. So I'm going to take you through some tough times. You don't listen. You don't want to miss wash night. I, I am disciplined not to preach wash night message two weeks early. But we're going to take a journey through Psalm 66 and Joshua chapter one. Because I found a version of the Bible where it says they came to a place of plenty. They came to a place. And that's just going to be the theme for watch tonight. Because in fact, it's really going to be the theme for New Year's, New Year's service. A place of plenty. And, and, and I don't want you to hate on a place of plenty because it has your name on it. Your address is on it. There's an email in the holding box that's being sent your way if you can receive it. When you understand Psalm 66, you are going to go through some hellish times. You are going to go through some rocky mountains and some valley lows. And you're going to go through some affliction being laid on your back. But if you keep reading Psalm 66, you'll find out that if you're strong enough to make it through the toughest, darkest days of your life, the Bible says he'll bring you to a place of plenty. That's a whole other message. But let's get back to here. Third and finally, number one, faith for salvation, faith for stewardship, faith for successful living. And this is where I'd like to close. I want to spend these last five minutes.
I want to talk to you about your successful living. In fact, the Lord spoke to my heart a few weeks ago. And uh, in fact, he spoke to me about Joshua chapter one. And I'm going to reopen my podcasting and blog and blog and whatever you call that other stuff. And I'm going to call it success with Pastor Mike. Successful living with Pastor Mike. Because I really want, I want you to see my life. And I want you to see how I was so successful in my late 20s and early 30s. But I also want you to see the failures and the, the highs and the lows. And I want to transparently show you. And, and if the Lord says the same, if God's will be. Yes, see the heights, but see the lows, see the successes, but see the failures. But the story doesn't end there. If God be God and if God continue on his path, I want you to see how God can rebuild and restore and replenish and bless. Not in an illegal or an ethical and immoral way. But he can do it based on the word of God. And if you need some word, I can give you 1 Chronicles 15 and 13. How the Lord, not the devil, but the Lord broke out against you. Until you got it done the right way or the proper way or due order. Then the blessings that were held up in the camp of the Philistines comes through the house of Obed-Edom back to the house of the Lord. And when the blessings come back to the house of David, you ain't seen nothing yet. So true success cannot be because of private jets. True success can't be because of name brand bags and name brand handbags and watches and clothes and access and, 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 and titles and positions and cars and houses and zip codes. But true success is what Paul would say. I've learned how to be suffering. And I've learned how to be full. And I've learned in all things to be content. For with God and godliness is great content. I know what it's like to suffer hunger and the thirst and to be in need, but also know what it's like to live on top of the world. But all in all, when it all shakes out, I've learned that it is in him that I live. It's in him that I move and it's in him that I have my being. There's faith for salvation, faith for giving, and there's faith for success and prosperous living. Would you stand to your feet all over the house? Bible says Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a place which he would receive as an inheritance, Hebrews 11, 8. And so he went out, not knowing where he would go. Bible goes on to say, by faith, Abraham dwelt in a land of promise as in a foreign country dwelling in the tents with Isaac and with Jacob the heirs of him of that same promise for he waited for a city which has its foundations whose builder and maker is God I like to teach this every once in a while one of the pastor's settings oh Jesus <laughs> all right when I flew to Chicago on Thursday they picked me up in a, a limousine Mercedes van and there were two other pastors in that van one from Atlanta one from Los Angeles I had my mask on we got to talking and the guy said are you Dr. Stevens I said yes he said I was just in Houston I saw your picture on a on a poster board at a conference 
And I didn't recognize you because of your mask on. And I didn't, this is my first time meeting him, by the way, him meeting me, me, meeting him. He said, I had the, he said, I have the second largest church in a city in, out in California. And he said, man, I have watched you, blah, 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 blah. And he just went on to say, man, you and your wife, y'all are just living it up. Y'all are just living it. Y'all just doing it. I just want, I want to do what you do. I just want to be like y'all. Y'all just doing it. Blah, blah, blah. Just went on, went on. That was Thursday. That was, that was Wednesday evening when I got in. Thursday, we were downtown. They took us to a nice restaurant. And outside, another preacher came, another pastor walked up and said, Stevens, I have followed you for years. And he just went on to say this and say that and say this and say that. And he said, you don't know that he began to weep outside in the frigid cold as he was talking. And I just felt so led to say, you know what, man? I want to talk to you about both my successes and my failures. And I said, um, let me just give you a walk through these past several years. And at the end of the conversation, you could have heard a pin drop, even though we were outside downtown Chicago. And I said, yes, the Lord's been faithful. Yes, the Lord's been good. Yes, he is doing, he's opening doors. Great things are happening. In the midst of all this, he's sustained, he's kept, he's covered, he's carried. We've seen miracles. I mean, in every imaginable way. But I told him, I can't tell you the number of times the old saints, particularly when I'd be in Memphis and walking through the corridors and convocation, they pull me to the side and say, son, keep hanging in there. I know it hurts. I know it's painful, but keep hanging in there. They put me on the platform in front of thousands of people to see in a broken state. My wife and I would be sitting there and then someone would come hug the both of us from behind. It'd be Judy McAllister, George Rogers. Some of the people you all hear them know of and we would sit there and ask God why? Why the shame? Why the humility? Why the embarrassment? But it was a part of the storyline because God will give you a measure of faith. Sometimes you take your painful and shameful moments and you put an expiration tag right there as if that's it. And where you think that is your ending God is saying this is your beginning where you have thought you're now at the end of the rope you're at the end of the tunnel and that's it right when you think it's over God is saying it's beginning you just gotta hang in there long enough because all the time the darkest hour of the night is right before the break of dawn and you can't allow the darkness to confuse you or seduce you or to deceive you that weeping may endure for a night but joy will come in the morning you just got to hang in there and believe God and have faith for hope and faith for healing and so Jesus answered and said were there not ten who were cleansed but where are the nine? Were there not found any who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner?
And he said to him, Arise, go your way, for your faith has made you whole. I want to encourage every one of you right now, always be in a position of thanksgiving. God's going to do some healing. He's going to perform some miracles. He's going to do some great things in the earth. We sung about it this morning in worship. But don't you get so busy and don't you get so grand and don't you get so new. You can't come back and tell the story. Tell people how God brought you out. How God visited your hospital room and he came in and dealt with the marriage and he came and dealt with the teenagers and he came and healed your body. Don't forget to come back and give God the glory and say, God, now that I think about it, had it not been for you in that dark hour, people don't know the fetal position. I'd curl up in the middle of the night crying and weeping saying, God, why, when, and where? But God saw that. Oh, they laughed. They scorned. They had their hey, and I'm all right with it, deservingly so. But I had, to, I had to call a preacher yesterday in the city and say, bro, I seen you in the media. Not everybody's qualified to call you and tell you been there, done that. But you know I've been there, done that. And I want to bless you. I want to help you. In fact, I want to be there for you because these Negro preachers weren't there for me. So you won't have the same excuse I had. Bible says restore such a one considering yourselves. So we are the body of believers. We are the body of healers. We are the body of restorers. Because when God heals you, don't forget to return to the house of God, giving God the glory and telling others the story.